Welcome to our podcast, Dental Study Bites, Patient Case Reviews. It's Jess and Neha here, and we are third-year dental students at the University of Minnesota. We're so excited to share this project with all of you. In the coming months, we will be releasing episodes in which we discuss dental cases incorporated with high-yield boards information. At times, it may seem like we are presenting random information, but we promise there is a method to the madness. This podcast is all about sharing cases from experienced dentists and dental specialists with you all and breaking them down while incorporating high-yield information for boards. Many faculty members and residents at the School of Dentistry here have kindly shared their cases with us. We have removed identifying information so that we are able to share these cases with you all. Today's case was kindly supplied by Dr. Al Tay, a resident of the TMJ Clinic at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities. A patient in her 20s presented to the clinic experiencing bilateral jaw pain related to a stressful period at school. She described her pain as a constant dull ache concentrated in the bilateral masters, with intensity ranging from 6 out of 10 to 9 out of 10. And Neha, what branch of the trigeminal nerve supplies muscles of mastication, like the masters, temporalis, and lateral pterygoids? That would be V3, the mandibular division of the trigeminal nerve which actually exits the skull through the foramen ovale. So let's talk about where this foramen is located and what are some other muscles in the ear that are innervated by V3. For sure. So the foramen ovale is located in the greater wing of the sphenoid. You also find the foramen rotundum there, which is where the maxillary division of the trigeminal nerve V2 goes through. As far as muscles innervated by V3 in the ear, that would be tensor tympani and tensor villi palatini. So tensor tympani, that's usually going to be controlling the amplitude of sound that goes through the tympanic membrane in the ear. Lots of good info. Getting back to the case, the pain in the masters is alleviated by taking over-the-counter Tylenol, but aggravated by jaw-clenching, talking, and smiling. Her pain is worse upon waking up and at the end of the day. Oral parafunctional habits include sleep and awake bruxism, as well as frequent biting of the lips and cheek. Her last dental appointment was three months ago, and she doesn't have any pending treatment. She has reported a high level of stress, usually only gets about five hours of sleep at night, and has tenderness and muscles upon waking up. She reported to drinking a total of 24 ounces a day of caffeine. Gotta love your coffee! Now that we have a little more background, we can dig into the findings. So this patient presented with a blood pressure of 128 over 81 and a heart rate of 76. For all our listeners out there, you can find an attached blood pressure chart to this podcast that displays the blood pressure categories. In this case, the patient has stage 1 hypertension since she is within the diastolic range of 80 to 89. Remember that in clinic, the cutoff of treatment is 180 over 110. In this case, we can treat the patient, but we would want to let them know that their blood pressure is high. Make sure to understand this chart and about what a good blood pressure is um, for boards. Cranial nerves 5, 7, 10, and 12 were examined and were all within normal limits. We have briefly touched on cranial nerve 5 already, but Jess, could you fill us in again on the three main divisions of the trigeminal nerve? Absolutely. There are three divisions of the trigeminal nerve. V1, which is the ophthalmic division, V2, which is the maxillary division, and V3, which is the mandibular division. If you divide the head into roughly three parts, one line through the eyebrow, one at the bottom of the nose, you will get a rough outline of where these three nerves innervate. We already went over where V2 and V3 go through in the skull. However, we didn't talk about V1. V1 goes through the superior orbital fissure. Neha, do you know what other three things go through the superior orbital fissure? That would be cranial nerves 3, 4, and 6. That's correct. 
Thanks. Do you know where the superior orbital fissure is located in the skull, Jess? The superior orbital fissure is between the greater wing and lesser wing of the sphenoid bone. The lesser wing of the sphenoid separates the anterior and middle cranial fossa, whereas the temporal bone separates the middle and posterior cranial fossa. Cranial nerve 7 was also examined. We know that this nerve provides taste to the tongue. So, Jess, which other two nerves do this as well? That would be the glossopharyngeal nerve, cranial nerve 9, and the vagus nerve, cranial nerve 10. The vagus nerve provides taste to the epiglottis region, and the glossopharyngeal nerve provides taste to the posterior third of the tongue, which leaves the facial nerve, cranial nerve 7, to give taste to the anterior two-thirds of the tongue. Neha, what branch of the facial nerve helps with this process? That would be corda tympani, which sends signals to the lingual nerve to get taste from the anterior two-thirds of the tongue. Exactly. The facial nerve is commonly associated with innervating facial expressions. It also does innervate what muscle of the ear. That would be stapedius. So let's talk about what cranial nerve 10, vagus, does. Usually the vagus nerve focuses on taste, elevating the palate, talking, and swallowing. As far as swallowing goes, what is the nuclei in the brainstem that deals with swallowing? Nucleus ambiguous, which receives signals from cranial nerve 10, glossopharyngeal, as well as cranial nerve 10, vagus. Since the vagus nerve deals with swallowing and innervates the uvula, what would you expect if the vagus got damaged in relation to the uvula? That's a good question. The uvula would actually deviate away from the side of the vagus nerve lesion. It should be noted that the palate would not elevate if the vagus nerve got damaged. Also, since it's a commonly asked question, what would happen if the hypoglossal nerve, cranial nerve 12, got damaged to the tongue? The tongue would go towards the side of the lesion, unlike the uvula. What branches to the vagus nerve can be found in the fourth and sixth pharyngeal arches? The fourth arch has a superior laryngeal branch, and the sixth arch has the recurrent laryngeal branch. Nice one. Going back to the hypoglossal, what are the main functions of that nerve? It innervates almost all the muscles of the tongue except for palatal glossus, which is innervated by the vagus nerve. Perfect. Well, now that we have talked about the cranial nerves that were assessed and reviewed some great boards info, let's get back to the case. Cranial nerves 5, 7, 10, and 12 were all within normal limits in this case. Sorry to get slightly off topic again, but board's relevant. What class of occlusion would correlate with a deep overbite? How about an excessive overjet? Not that this patient has this type of occlusion, since, you know, we just heard the values were pretty normal, but just for the sake of review. That's really important, Jess. Well, you see, usually a deep overbite is seen in class 2, division 2 cases, and then an excess overjet is with class 2, division 1 cases. And since we're reviewing, you have proclined maxillary incisors in class 2, division 1 cases as well. On the other hand, you have retroclined maxillary incisors with proclined lateral incisors in a class 2, division 2 case. An overbite is usually determined by the vertical overlap of anterior teeth, while overjet is determined from the horizontal overlap of anterior teeth. Okay, thanks for indulging my need to constantly interject with the board's review. Now, where were we in the case? That's what you came around for. While this patient had no pain with their mandibular range of motion, which was 36 millimeters, the patient did have right-sided deviation along with right-sided TMJ clicking. Her masticatory muscles were also tender. Cervical muscle examination revealed tenderness in the bilateral splenius capitis muscle, which duplicated her neck pain. Intraorally, she had attrition on her posterior teeth and has linea alba bilaterally on her buccal mucosa. 
Okay, awesome. Before we get to the diagnosis, let's break down these findings. We didn't have any pain with range of motion, which is a good sign. Range of motion is normally greater than 40 millimeters though, so we do have a lack of opening going on. We also get the information that we have clicking and a right-sided deviation of the mandible, which means our problem is probably located in that area. Intraorally, we note some attrition, but no pathology. It was also noted that some of her neck muscles, like splenius capitis, were tender. So what could possibly be our diagnosis? She ended up being diagnosed with disc displacement with reduction in the right TMJ, as well as myofascial pain of the masticatory and cervical muscles, due to the pain she was experiencing in her jaw and neck. So let's break down what this diagnosis means. Let's start with breaking down the TMJ. Let's go over the basics quickly. TMJ stands for temporomandibular joint. It's a ginglimore throatial joint, meaning that it is a joint that has both hinge and sliding joint functions. It is composed of the condyle of the mandibular bone and the articular fossa, also known as the glenoid fossa of the temporal bone. It is stabilized by the temporomandibular, stylomandibular, and sphenomandibular ligaments. So when you have an issue with the TMJ that needs to be investigated, we typically image with a panorax or CT scan to look at a bony structure, or an MRI to look at soft tissue structures such as the disc positioning. The disc is biconcave in shape, with the thinnest portion of the articular disc sitting between the articular surfaces of the condyle and articular fossa. As the jaw opens, the disc moves anteriorly. So what happens to the disc when it gets displaced? The disc can get displaced a few different ways, the most common being anterior displacement in relation to the condyle, and usually when you open your jaw. When you close back down is when you hear that popping and clicking. However, there are things to look at further if this happens, such as if the displacement is with or without reduction. Displacement with reduction means that the disc returns to its normal position after opening, and this usually doesn't affect range of motion and is usually painless. Displacement without reduction means that the disc does not return to its normal position and is clinically observed with no clicking or popping sound, limited opening, and sometimes jaw locking. That makes sense. So this patient had disc displacement with reduction along with myofascial pain of the masculatory and cervical muscles, most likely exasperated by her parafunctional habits, which is commonly seen. Exactly. In this case, the clinicians recommended a biopsychosocial approach to her treatment, which included the physical therapy, health psychology, intraoral appliances, and self-care regimens. This approach is quite common for TMD patients and allows comprehensive treatment of the biology, psychology, and social aspects of their pain conditions. PT allowed her to focus on decreasing the strain on the TMJ via stretching and relaxing her jaw muscles and provided her with exercises at home. She was also given a maxillary flat splint to address her nocturnal bruxism, aiming to decrease the jaw pain and headache she experienced when waking up. Health psychology addressed underlying factors. Self-care regimens were focused on minimizing her parafunctional habits, changing daily behaviors such as chewing hard foods, and giving her exercises to complete at home in order to maintain the improvement seen from treatment. Wow, that's a lot. How did she respond? At one month, she saw a 50% improvement related to being more aware of her habits. After receiving a splint two months later, she reported increased improvement in her condition. She began PT and now reports 90% improvement. Well, that was quite a bit of information today. I hope you all enjoyed our first recording in case. 
Thank you so much. Thanks.